Seventh Avenue Pizza, the official pizza of the Soda Pod. The Soda Pod, the official beer and hockey podcast of Seventh Avenue Pizza. And welcome back for another week episode here of MNCAA, episode 95. So five short of the century mark here, boys. Uh, Big Ten group with us, Nate Wells, Drew Cove. Uh, welcome back to both of you, uh, getting close to the holiday break. And in fact, after this weekend, it is essentially the holiday break for the teams that we're covering. So uh, mixed, shall we say, emotions, uh, you could say mixed in with mixed results i, I used uh, that cliche a little bit too often there in that short amount of time but that's okay um gentlemen let's talk about the shall we say that the two sides of the coin that is the golfers right now uh drew i want to start with you because at the end of it decent game on friday saturday ohio state pushes back they do get it to a, an official ncaa tie um your thoughts on the golfers this weekend yeah yeah obviously um i think kind of bouncing back Friday. Um, obviously they, they fell behind in that game. Um, and it just didn't, it, it looked good for the Gophers at times, but I think they finally got back to their game. Obviously once, uh, there was that five minute, uh, major penalty that kind of got, uh, got them back into it, at least from a momentum standpoint, like right off the opening face off of that power play. But, um, it's, it is weird too. Cause you see that I thought, I thought they played relatively well on Saturday as well, but, it's just it leaves you feeling a little bit deflated obviously when it goes to ot and uh it doesn't go the way they want it to but um yeah it's a it's i think we we said two weeks ago i said a lot of us i mean i don't know if i don't remember if all of us said like they need to sweep but i think i did and uh they didn't do it and i'm left obviously left wanting more because these are those are the most uh the not saying again any team's easy but those were the most uh opportune times to get to get all the points you possibly could in the last two weekends and they didn't do it so um but yeah it's, it does leave you feeling a little bit murky especially since they don't they're not playing again the next week and you kind of got to wait till uh, we can kind of see what what they do with the knowledge of the first half and Nate, is that sort of where golfers fans are feeling right now was sort of that glass half empty maybe glass half full. I think a lot of Gophers fans really don't know how to feel about this squad. And it's different over the past couple of years, right? We knew what the squad was last year, right? This was a national championship contender. They ran away with the big 10. They were in uh, a very, a very comfortable first place this year. We, it's we're not sure, right? We feel like if things come together and we've seen it here and there this season, but then again, night after night, we don't see the same Gopher squad. And I guess, what do we make of this first half? You hit the nail on the head right there where it's finding that consistency. We've seen the bits of flashes where Minnesota can go in and control a game. They, When they've gone out throughout the entire first half, the Big Ten, where they played all six teams now, it's they had down in performance against Michigan. They probably had the best uh, weekend against Trey Augustine in Michigan State. They looked dominant at times against Penn State. Notre Dame and they're able to have a great performance this weekend um, at least in the Friday night game against Ohio State but then on the other hand it's just 
It's not being able to pull out it for two games on a Friday, Saturday series of the weekend. And there's just so many opportune times where Minnesota can score and then they'll give up a goal on the next shift or they just, there's they spend so much time to uh, get back in, in the game and get the goal. And you're waiting for them maybe to turn on the jets and be able to take control of the game. And I'll, I'll throw this out to you guys where Minnesota had a five, three lead in the third period against Ohio state, a team that entering this weekend had two points in the big 10 and had zero regulation wins. How confident were you that Minnesota was going to hold on to hold on to the lead? I have my own answer, but I want to hear you guys as first. Not as confident as I was last year. And in terms of being able to, and even beat the ability to like, all right, even if they somehow fell behind, like six, five in that scenario, I would have been confident, like no matter if there was five minutes, or 30 seconds left that they could have tied it. And this say this team is not, is, is not that is not the same in that regard. So I, it's difficult to say like, like on a one to 10, but like certainly not as much as last season or maybe the year before, but um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a changed identity. I think of this team. I would have to agree with you guys. I think for me, when you look at this goal for squad and just, what they put on paper for the first half, right? And I think maybe that's where we kind of lead into what this team has and maybe what this team doesn't have. Uh, what this team has is, I mean, we'll, let's look at the Jimmy Snugger good on, on on Friday, right? Just an unbelievable show of skill, right? We knew that that was something he was capable of doing. On the backhand, and, and I think as much as we gave credence to the Logan Cooley departure and, and strangely, the timing of that, I still think there are some question marks surrounding that. I think maybe perhaps school first fans and maybe we overlooked what they lost defensively, right? Brock Faber and a couple of others. Uh, so to me, it's more defensively is what has been hurting the squad. And I'm not trying to blame the entire defensive core, but you also got some young forwards who, who are also missing some responsibilities on the back end. And it just... What I think what stinks right now, and, and Nate, to kind of go back to your question, is I just don't feel like this team has kind of continued that growth spurt that we were expecting, right? Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the pieces were there in the beginning, and we thought maybe the puzzle would be a little bit more complete by this time of the season and just isn't there. Am, am I on to what you guys think we're at, or Am I just the bias St. Cloud guy that is just wishing more than whatnot? No, we're on, we're, we're on the same, we're on the same page <laughs> where the most, probably the two best performances for Minnesota are the first two weekends of the season. And I know probably if you go back and roll the tapes, we are much more optimistic about where this team was going to continue to grow and see that going. And I mean, Again, yeah, even go there. The, it was you control five or six periods against a North Dakota team that has spent the most of this first half as the number one or number two team in the country, and so you know that talent's there. You know, even as players are going into new roles, um, always felt the defense was going to be a bit of a take some time. We have players in new roles. Um, Mike Kester being hurt, having injuries. But I think really other, if you want to go from a national perspective, I don't think there's a team that has this mix of frustrating talent and results. And even as we're saying the results, it's still a Minnesota team that if you look the last six weeks, they've lost two games and they've lost two games in regulation. So they're still in very good shape. Like as angry as we are or upset as things are going, it's, 
that's where your glass half full has to be. Things are still in a good shape if this is where they're trying to figure out where things are going with Minnesota. But at the end of the day, it's still, yeah, just going for that. Drew, I want to get your thoughts on the overtime on Saturday because, you know, when we talk about the high-flying skill, this is where teams where you have that natural talent really kind of shine with all that open ice and, uh, shall we say, just the ability to make plays. Um, curious to know how you viewed Saturday's overtime because I feel like as a betting man, if I had put my money down that you were maybe slightly disappointed in it, uh, would, I get, slight- would I get my money back or maybe I would get some more back? Uh, I think you'd get a lot of money, uh, <laughs> but I don't know what the odds were on on you being able to find my tweet about right. not just saying I. And my tweet was more just about how I think three on three is just not the solution to, to to finishing these games. Much like I think the shootout over the years has become very like uh, like recognized as not being something that's very good. Three on three is not. I mean, it's it's hockey, but it's it's pond hockey and. Yep. It's the coaches have coached all the fun pond hockey parts out of it. So it's like, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's a terrible way to finish a game. And it like, it was five, five wasted minutes for both sides. And like, it's like, what, what are we doing here? And um, I don't think, and I don't think that's just, that's not me just saying it because of the way that the way that the Gophers played, which they played it, I think very poorly. Um, they could have played it a lot better, but um yeah, the Gophers, I don't know why. It, it looked like they came out and they didn't know how they were going to enter the zone or like have a plan for it. And they and at times it just didn't look like they wanted to enter the zone at all. It's like, man, you guys are playing for big points here. Like you guys still have to play Michigan. Michigan, you have to play all the other big dogs again. And are you playing to like get – like let them get another point? Like let uh, – <laughs> I'd, I'd let Ohio State get another point and just like forfeit one basically? I don't I – don't, I didn't see how that made any sense to me just because the, based on the way they were playing, it was pretty passive. They were entering the zone, like Sam Renzel was entering the zone and then it's like, he got trapped on the half wall and it's like, well, what do I do? And then he just kind of punches it through a little bit. And it's like, okay, then that's just a turnover. And I think it was kind of egging me on too. friend of the show. Uh, Pat Micheletti was exasperated by it too. And yeah. it, like, he wouldn't, he, yes. he, and rightfully so he didn't stop talk. Cause he's like, all right, look at they're entering the zone and it's going to be another turnover. Cause there was just one guy going, and it just it never worked, and I, and we've seen them play better than that in in three on three before because they they can do it. It's just I don't know why for that five minutes of the game that they just they didn't execute anything right, and it was disappointing to see, especially because it didn't look like all right we're really trying to enter the zone and just not hitting on chances, but it just looked very passive and a team that was willing to forfeit a point. And uh, I don't think like this Gophers team is like I get at this point you're playing like at this point pairwise probably matters more for making the tournament than winning the, the winning the, like the, the regular season or the conference tournament. But this is, I just, I didn't understand like a team that's looking for a high note into the break that had a couple of so, so weekends and they, they didn't really bring it at three on three. And I, that was, that was one thing that just did. It kind of irked me for a little bit on top of just seeing how bad the three on three was for both, both sides and just over and over and over again. And Nate, you know, the the hockey aficionado would look at that overtime effort on Saturday, much says to a Drew. I saw clips of it and I was irked by it too. And but then you take a step back, Nate. Now, I'm not making excuses for the Gophers by any stretch of the imagination when I ask this question, but is there a little bit of, shall we say, 
nervousness? Do you feel like there's a lack of confidence with the golfers? Because as Drew mentioned, that we've seen this team play a three-on-three much more up-tempo, a lot more where we feel like the players in the ice knew what they needed to do to execute. And it just kind of felt like either A, they were stuck either in first or second gear or just more tentative. And to Drew's point, do you feel like this team was just kind of playing the odds a little bit, you know, just understanding that we don't want to maybe give the game away just because we're gripping the sticks too tight. I mean, how would you interpret what we saw on the overtime on Saturday? Is there a bit of nervousness, maybe a bit of tenant, um, uh, tentativeness with this squad with just because the way they've been playing? And yeah, it was, it was passive. It was a very passive group, which you don't very often see Minnesota. I mean, probably could count the number of times that they had puck possession into the Ohio state zone. Yeah. And if they had, if, if they had more for than 30 seconds, so pretty much it was Ohio state had possession, Minnesota would get it. And then by that end, it was the end of the shift. And then you had to go get rid of the puck. It was. So the one time they had it more was, I think uh, Ohio state iced it. And then there was a yeah. face off in their zone. And then, <laughs> and then they lost and then they lost the, and they lost the face off. Yeah. Yeah, they, it was a lot of inopportune lost face-offs, but, I mean, that's just sometimes how the game goes. Um, but in the big picture, in, in the small picture, over time, it's fun. It's good. To, it, it can be entertaining. It can be very nails on a chalkboard boring if, as long as people are trying to clamp down on the defensive end of it. But in the so losing a point there, just giving away in the big picture, Minnesota giving away one point, giving away two points on the weekend when the two teams that are looking to catch up in the Big Ten standings, Wisconsin and Michigan State, both got six points on the weekend and swept. Is is disappointing? Just giving away points to uh, a team that has pretty much been the one that the uh, the rest of the league has been able to uh, take advantage of sweep, and especially there. when the Gophers are so not good in the shootout. Yes. Like that's that's another point of it. It's like you, we know yeah. their record in the yeah. shootout. Although it's, for me, it's weird, right? It's it, it, it really no. And this thing is, is, it's at this point, it's not even just this one team. It's pretty much been the entire stretch of the Gophers playing shootouts in the Big Ten. I just like I they went something like nine shootouts in a row before winning one. Um, they kept losing them in games that counted, in games that didn't count. And they've really just it's struggled. It goes beyond the present team. And I don't know what it is, whether it's just you don't play enough shootouts compared to the rest of the Big Ten. But at this point, it's almost expected. I mean, but more than anything, it's what? They're 0 for 11 this year in shootouts? Like, no one no one scored. No yeah. one has shootout. That, that actually is mind-boggling. We're talking about the Gophers, not the Wild of, like, 2003, right? <laughs> yeah. Just, no, no. It, it's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's legitimately... It's rough. It is, it, is, it is rough. It's rough. Um, but but the more than anything, though, it's it's one point. It could be, so they lost three points in shootouts. There's at least two games this season you can say that they probably could have gone from either one to three points or zero to three points, um, making one or two better decisions. So it's better in the long run just to be able to kind of turn these games that are going to go into ties and the wins or a loss into a tie just – the long haul on that end. And that's kind of just been the frustrating aspect uh, of this Minnesota team in the first half. Cause you see it, I think really other than nationally Denver has kind of had the same thing going on and where you see all this talent and just are not able to put together. I don't think there's another team that kind of fits the, the same tier of that as the Gophers do. 
No, and you know, Nate, you bring up a good point because when we when we when we take a step back and look at the first half as a whole, right? There's a lot of things that the Gophers do well, but then there's also a lot of the small things that they're just not hitting on consistently, which unfortunately is probably a big reason why you know there aren't maybe shall we say sitting better in terms of the Big Ten standings in the pairways. Now, Graham, only two regulation losses in the past twelve games, right? What's well, I think we have to remember. That although things seem, shall we say, cloudy slash murky, it isn't terrible. But, Drew, it, it brings us to the point, right? Great teams do the small details, and they do them well. Is that really what's holding back the golfer is just those small details? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, smi- I, I smiled when you mentioned that because it's true. And if you listen to the first 15 minutes of this podcast and you, yeah. and you didn't know the golfer's <laughs> record, you might have thought that they just – they're nose diving like right and that's the thing too like i think we're we're breaking it down so much because again we talk about it every week we talk about it even more just on a regular basis and we're able to kind of just get into the nitty-gritty and dissect it but like aside from all the the woes and the the pent-upness about how they play it in the overtime on saturday um i think yeah it's just it's those little things it's like all right yeah that overtime is a big deal because they could have gotten another point or two and it's like, ah, it's just like, man, because they can, because they have the talent, they've done it before. Like, I think the, the overtime uh, with the Jimmy Clark, Clark goal was uh, against uh, Michigan state. That was, that was a really well-played overtime, I think generally. And it was, and they, they did it and they had, they had the talent to do it and they still do. And I just, I didn't know why it ha- didn't happen. But like you said, the, the it's the, all the little things, um, the team is still in a good spot, obviously, to, to make the tournament at the end of the year, and that's that's all that really matters. And and just playing your your best hockey at that time. And I know it's we're probably going to say that phrase a million times over the next <laughs> next few weeks of podcasts, right. but <laughs> it, it's like you just gotta yeah, those little things that like those couple little decisions that are gonna turn yeah, like Nate said, turn uh, zero points to three points, uh, one point to two points, uh, anything like that that. Because eventually those are going to add up a lot, and um, the more you lose to teams that maybe aren't going to make the tournament, uh, it does start to hurt the pairwise a little bit, a little bit more than it would if you're playing against, I don't know, Wisconsin, North Dakota, X, Y, you know, all those all those non-conference teams that are that are always so highly regarded. Yeah, and I think we kind of said about a month ago we we're going to learn a lot about Minnesota team when this Minnesota team when they hit the winter break, which they just did, and I I do think we did learn a lot where. There's talent. They're still trying to put things together with players in new roles. Um, there are certainly some standouts. Uh, the aforementioned Jimmy Clark, Justin Close has been fantastic in goal. Uh, Mike Kester, Ryan Chesley, once um, Kester returned, I, I must say that they've certainly been upholding that uh they've, they've been upholding that defensive uh up standard that the Gophers have had throughout this Moscow era. And now it's kind of just, I think for the first time, it's you're seeing another Gopher team where each year they've built on their success of the past year. And I guess just being as high as they are, they have to kind of go back and take a step back of learning out, hey, this is how we're going to have to close out. This is how we're closing out games. This is how we find ways to win when maybe it's going against a tough goaltender or someone who is having a hot night. And this is a new role for most players on this team are in either expanded roles or they're newcomers. So 
having a little bit of patience. I think at the end of this four week stretch, what we learned Minnesota is they're probably in a little bit more trouble as far as the big 10 standings go where they're going to have to go out really bench on a run for the rest of the year uh, to kind of get that title. If they want to get to the regular season title or else they're kind of just going to be in that two, three, four spot. But at the end of the day, we're also probably going to learn a little bit more about Minnesota over these next six weeks once they resume playing in January. Um, and that's going to kind of tell us, hey, are the Gophers learning from this set of, of past four weeks where you see those flashes, but you're not putting things together? Or is this just Minnesota's identity? This is just how the Gophers are going to be this season. Yeah, I don't know, guys. Um, at the end of it, um, sometimes a break is good. And though Gophers are going to get a three-week break, now they do have an exhibition scheduled against uh, the U.S., um, I believe, U18 team um, at uh, Mariucci Arena coming back. That is on New Year's Day on January 1st, a Monday. And then uh, let's just say this. They don't have the easiest non-conference games coming back as Colorado College. For those not paying attention, and we will definitely be touching, uh, touching on them in the NCHC portion of the show, uh, they just took two wins away from North Dakota. Um a pretty good team last time I checked. Um, so at the end of it, let's just kind of recap the Big Ten as we stand right now, right? Just to kind of give our, um, our listeners slash our viewers there on YouTube a little bit of a idea. Michigan State's still a number one team with 25 points. Wisconsin, or shall we say the Mavericks of the Minnesota State 2.0 at 24. Uh, the Gophers at 17 points. Uh, problem with that is they have the most conference games played. In fact, they're actually the only one with 12. Everybody else in this conference has got 10. So likely to be some shakeups. Notre Dame comes next at 15, followed by Michigan and then Penn State. Ohio State, as you mentioned, a distant seventh, only at four conference points. Uh, yikes. So uh, if there is maybe some of the glass half empty folks, there's your answer, right? Uh, but guys, let's talk about the rest of the Big Ten. Uh, more so maybe... Let's talk about the top four, I think, a little bit, because this is going to be your your biggest competition for the Gophers as we had throughout the rest of the year. Uh, Michigan State, um, yeah, they're good. Uh, we'll put it to you that way. Um, what's it going to take to stop Michigan State? Um, they're a high-flying offense, number one. Number two, if there's a weak spot, Nate, defensively, they're not the greatest defensive squad. Um, so if there's maybe a, a loose link in the chain, that would be one way to maybe – to get a hold of Michigan State, but that firepower up front. They, they, they're loaded up front. They have the right mix of using the transfer portal and bringing in recruits. And then plus when you have a goalie who's going to be the number one goalie of the World Juniors for the USA. Mm -hmm. And I really, other than the Minnesota weekend, he has been lights out in the Big Ten, in Big Ten play. So having those combinations, uh, the Spartans are setting themselves up for having several ways to win. And I mean, that's been big. I think just with Minnesota or sorry, Michigan state on that end, it's, they are a tough out. They can say the same thing with Wisconsin, where when they're on, they're able to score in bunches. They're very defensively sound. They're using the, they're using their depth that they've had that have really been kind of questionable in recent years uh, to their advantage. They had, um, Bantle got a hat trick against uh, Penn State this weekend. Mm -hmm. um, got uh, the wild first round picks finally looking like he's turning things around after. Jeez, kind of a questionable. <laughs> and that's what I say. Like, and that, uh, like they thought they've been they've been successful. Mister <laughs> um, Amel, they've been they've been, like Wisconsin has been successful while he's been struggling. That kind of really speaks to where the Badgers' offense has been. 
um, this season. So just kind of having those combinations. And then Kyle McLennan and goal has been just a revelation too for the Badgers. Speaking of Stramol, Drew Cove, I want to stay on Stramol because, um, yeah, he was not part of the regular lineup uh, the first couple months of the season. He was really struggling. Um, now, some could say he turned it around. Um, others would say, what in the heck did the Wild see in him that cost them a first-round pick, especially when, uh, yeah, uh, there was a few others that were taking a couple spots after that maybe were a more complete player. I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure what to think of Stramol. He's still young, sure. But there are parts of his game where, okay, if you're getting scratched, there's two usually the things that I look at. Either one, the effort isn't there, or two, you're not playing to the structure that your coaching staff isn't going to play. There's no doubt that there's natural talent with this kid, but why is it that he struggled so early on in this year and now finally looks like he's starting to turn a corner? I don't know. I'm I'm not convinced just yet. What have you seen in Stramel? Yeah, I mean, even just when he came back from that injury, kind of back on the fourth line and seeing seeing some of just the he wasn't able to make much of an impact and but it's like and again at college level you like when you're a first round pick you're not you're not really developing i think the way that at least the team might the the like i think bill bill garen sees sees that line chart come out and say wait you're you, you want to call up my casing say but you got this guy on the fourth line what are you doing and like just not sure to micromanage but to say wow uh the stewardship over their 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 prospects because i know um that's one thing I, that's, I mean, with Jimmy Snuggery, when he came back, uh, that's one thing the St. Louis blues have always seemed to be very patient about is their prospects developing, um, at college and trusting the college system. And, um, I think they, they didn't even, they didn't really kind of do a pressure job on him to say, ah, oh, come play pro come to the AHL or whatever, see if you can make the team. But, um, like the coyotes, the place. Right? okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But <laughs> no, I think regardless you're going to have your ups and downs and we've seen, I think we've seen even, even on a talented team as the Gophers, we've seen a lot of, a lot of guys blossom late. And I mean, Nate, I came at the, came in at the very end of this time, but you might be thinking of who I'm thinking of. I think Vinny Letary. Yep. yep um, yep, exactly. Exactly. I was thinking he, of my first year on the beat was his senior year and he lit it up and he was a guy who played like a lot of, uh, all situations type stuff before. And, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of penalty kill and I mean, playing some fourth line roles and being a, a center guy and figuring it out. And finally, boom, uh, Travis Boyd, I think is another guy. It's like Travis Boyd's still was, in the NHL. Uh, Travis Boyd was a guy who his first year and he was certainly someone who was either la- who's pretty much the last guy in um, basically. Yeah. It was fourth line. Just never really, I say just not counting on to do much um, offensively, but just like kind of like Letary where you make your, um, you you make your point like you make the most of your opportunities. You get mm-hmm. that you maybe you have five ten minutes on the fourth line. Maybe you end up in there in a penalty kill, and you see that throughout college hockey. There's mm-hmm. there's so many examples of those players where just you get more responsibility, you thrive at it, you get more responsibility, you learn, you learn what works in college hockey, you learn what you need to be able to do to find success and build up on it from two, three, four years. By the time you are an upperclassman and a senior, you are the ones who's running the show and you're getting those first five minutes. You are on the power play and you are a goal scorer um, that has developed into something that can uh, be successful in college and at the next level. Yeah. And it's exactly right to the point of, some people might be saying, oh, why is he playing fourth line minutes at Wisconsin? I think 
if you have the talent and you learn how to play the game that the fourth liners do on some of the best teams against the toughest players on the team, not the most talented, but the toughest, that's going to make him even more ready. I think to jump to the NHL and to say, have to be physically ready. Like that's what we saw with so many different Gophers prospects over the years that they weren't physically ready to make it to the next level. And I think we've seen a little bit of that with Cooley. We saw a lot of that with Casey Middlestat a long time ago. Um, And just being able to play that physical be the physical presence that you need to be at the next level and playing against probably the tougher, older guys down on the fourth line. I think that's, that's valuable experience. And uh, not to say I'm like absolutely confident he's going to turn it around completely, but um, I think there's a long time in college and uh, you've got a lot, he's got a lot of time. And I think the organization is going to give him a lot of leeway to figure it out, no matter if it's at Wisconsin another year or two and, or, AHL, whatever. So I think, uh, I don't think it, if wild fans, I don't think should be worried, but, uh, um, I think the Gophers will love it next time. If he's kind of a, a shell of what people want him to be next time they play. <laughs> and, and Drew, to your point, because Streamles is a bigger kid, right? He's six foot three, I believe oh, yeah. is what he's listed. So sometimes in, you know, it's, I don't want to compare to NHL talent, but Marco Rossi is what five, nine, five, ten, right? And wild and it, short guys. Right. But, you know, to the point is he had to learn essentially the same lesson, though, at the AHL level, learn how to play with, shall we say, a little bit more toughness, a little bit more fearsome. You got to use what you have. Right. Um, And you kind of feel like even with the bigger hit, it's almost more important because you feel like, okay, if you can learn how to, you know, a he's a centerman. So face offs one Uh, number two. But if he can learn to use his size, use his reach, right, to be able to protect pucks and be able to be like a Pat Maroon where maybe you're not the goal scoring that you know, or shall we say threat that maybe you thought you'd be, but you can create because no one can take the puck off your stick kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I get the sense and, you know, to kind of wrap this up guys, I'm going to give you the sense. I feel like Strainwell's a four year guy. I really do just because I think uh, Drew hit it right in the head. I think there's a lot of room for him to grow. Um, and if he can under Hastings, who doesn't take any crap from any kid, right. It's either you play the way that he wants you to play or you're not playing at all. Um, if he can make an impression, although on Mike Hastings, all the respect in the world that he's in, he's going to get the minutes and the, and the top six size time um, quickly, 30 seconds, Nate, do you think he gets there? I'm not sure if it's this year, but I think he does. It's not, it's, I think it's going to be at earliest next year, but I don't think it's this year. I think it's taking a step back this year, and obviously injuries and stuff don't help, but at the end of the day, it's just you you deal with the hand that you're dealt, and you just continue to see if he works through that in the second half and just makes the most of those opportunities. Yeah, so like I really honestly, I'll agree with you 100% that Mike Hastings is a great coach to have to build to become a complete 200-foot player yep. and someone who has goal-scoring capabilities because that is what you need to succeed in the NHL and that's really what you need to succeed with Mike Hastings that's pretty much what he brings out and what he develops out of his team and for his teams whether it's Wisconsin or Minnesota State or even if you're going back to the USHL in Omaha yep so with that being said guys again Big Ten standings golfers at third currently um, on their holiday break um, left to be desired still in the first half but um, as I say there's a lot of hockey left to be played um, and still a lot more that we have to learn about these golfers and like Drew says sometimes it's not maybe about how you start but also how you finish maybe this golfer team gets hot at the right time and uh, they carry some momentum into a Big Ten tournament where maybe this might surprise some people uh, so for that guys we're going to turn it over to our NCAA Chiefos because uh, St. Cloud finally not perfect in conference play but still on top of the leaderboard we'll touch on that and some other surprises in the NCHC that's next here in MNCAA